The Invincible Teams podcast is powered by Evergreen. Evergreen provides teamwork, training, and consulting to help your team thrive in every season. If you want to have a team that makes other leaders jealous, get started by going to their website in the show notes and scheduling your free consultation today. Welcome to Invincible Teams, a podcast for team leaders and business owners who are tired of dealing with drama and politics, high turnover, and teams not meeting their potential. We know that team leaders and business owners like you are pretty much always under pressure to get the most out of your teams. And we believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. Hey, welcome back to the Invincible Teams podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Mayfield. And I am Alexis Garvin, coming to you from sunny Santa Barbara, California today. <laughs> mm, out in California. How's that? Unreal. It, it always blows my mind whenever I'm here, just the decadence and the deliciousness of being however many days of sun they get, 300, I'd say, versus like 70 days of sun that I get in Ohio. Um, I was going to say it's not that much different than Ohio, right? Oh my gosh, night and day. <laughs> night and day. And then you have that alongside like ocean and mountains and all of the gloriousness of God's creation. It's just it's pretty dreamy. So, really yeah. glad, really grateful to be out here for a good chunk of time. Yeah. Well, important question, are you more um on the beach or in the mountains? Which one would you rather have? Yeah, I'm definitely a beach girl, 100%. I love like a hike here and there, but if you gave me the option between going to the ocean and spending a week on the beach versus uh, pitching a tent and hiking around for a solid week, I would pick the sandy beaches every time. Mm. See, you? I'm you. You give me a like a cabin on the side of a mountain somewhere where I can sit on a front porch and drink a cup of coffee every morning. Like that's I'm there for that. I um, totally. I and you know it's funny. I would say that if you give me a cabin in the mountains, but you put a lake, like you put me next to a lake, then that's uh, I just need to have some sort of water by me. <laughs> you know, we my wife and I we were talking about this because we we don't hate the beach. And if somebody, you know, we're with somebody and they're saying, hey, let's go to the beach, we'd be like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. But we were in Destin, Florida a couple of weeks ago for a conference and uh, we were there for a long weekend. Yeah. Never went to the beach. Really? The whole time you were there? Yeah, the whole time we were there. There yeah. were just, there was restaurants to go to and food to eat. And we just were like, eh, we could go to the beach, but. We'd rather well, eat these tacos. That's fine. I feel like everybody else that was in Dustin was definitely at the beach. So you're probably, you probably were smart to just sort of <laughs> avoid it in that Dustin is such a destination, no pun intended for it. For, yeah. Um, beach, period, beach. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, hey, today we are talking uh, about capacity, right? The, the title of today's episode is Saying Yes Means Saying No. And so the whole idea there is just that we all kind of have a limited amount of time, right? Everybody has the same amount of time every day. Um, and we have a limited amount of energy and just mental capacity. And so the underlying idea here is that every time we say yes to something, we're also saying no to other things, to other opportunities. Mm -hmm. So 
just with that premise in front of you, uh, what comes to mind? Yeah, I think one of the things that I think of right off the bat is the whole concept of your yes being more powerful um, when you're able to say one yes to something great and no to the other 10 good things that you know are available to you that you know would be fine enough options, but will disallow the focus and the energy and the intentionality um, for that great thing. I think for, for me, what comes to mind just is really, even in the last few years, I've watched myself do it, to be honest, where um, I've had a number of good options and I've really said yes to a lot of them in light of, you know, working for Lululemon, really good option, loved it, loved so much about it. Um, being able to serve my sister, which I did and have been doing for a while and absolutely would not have changed that for the world in light of moving with her and doing life with her. Um, and then a number of, you know, working on my coaching business, which has been definitely good, but what's been interesting, this is just such vulnerability on my end, but the reality of the great that I've been asked to do since college, which is in the realm of writing mm-hmm. and, doesn't necessarily have immediate return. Like it's not something that I will necessarily make money off of Mm. right off the bat, or Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean I have, um, I'm really great at it right off the bat, but it's been the thing that I have known since I was 20 that I needed to be doing. And I have watched myself say yes to a lot of other good things and just like not it's, it's made me inherently then say no to the great um, hmm. because I've said a lot of yeses. So that's when you ask me like, what does it immediately make you think of? That's honestly kind of this raw and real place that I'm in right now, where now a number of things have, have sort of ended and I see this pathway being paved for me towards the great. And I'm like, I have got to put my blinders on and say the one yes and not the million other little yeses that then actually wind up making me say no to the great. Right. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And and you use a couple of words there, good and great. And, you know, I imagine there's people that hear this and they're just not in this boat, right? They don't feel like they have this plethora of good options to choose from. Um, and that's that's a season. I think that some people find themselves in regularly. But the other side of that coin is, like what we're talking about right now, you do sometimes find yourself in seasons where you have lots of things you could say yes to. Yeah. Um, and I think f- trying to figure out which are the good things and which are the great things uh, is, is difficult. So, mm-hmm. I mean, how do you know the difference? Mm. That's a great question. I, I think it does wind up being... Um, a good amount of intuition, if I'm honest, around really what you know to be the thing that's been tugging at you for a while. I think often um, that, you know, it, it is a it's a process of figuring out for different people. I think they can walk through different processes to to come to the conclusion on what is actually great versus what's just the good. You do the Ben Franklin plus and minus, that would be the guardian way of probably going about discovering which thing is the best. And then if you're uh, the creative like me, you're in, you know, deep prayer and meditation and (laughs) trying to navigate (laughs) through like, Lord, where do you want me to go next? You know, like, where's the sign? Um, And so, and, and I think, you know, without necessarily getting spiritual about it, but I do think that when we keep our hearts and our minds in a space where we're constantly realigning our why Hmm. and we're constantly refining our why we're constantly coming back to 
the why behind the what of our life. Like really, if we're coming back to purpose and, and coming back to, am I living into the purpose that I know I have on the planet? Then does this yes align with that? Um, and that, you know, very rarely is it ever going to be written in the sky. Like, you know, Ryan Mayfield, you are to take this job at this company or, you know, like very rarely does that happen. But when we are in constant, I think in a constant space of staying intentional about our why and, and staying aware of if, if we're in a space and a place where our yeses are aligned with that, why, then I think the, what the, who, the, where all kind of take care of themselves or fall into place. Yeah. I like that a lot. It it makes me think of, uh, I heard an analogy one time of, you know, the difference between a map and a compass, right? Um, And, you know, sometimes I feel like in life we want a map that shows exactly where we're at, exactly where we're going and how to get there. Um, And sure, that would be useful. However, it's just not generally how life seems to shake out, right? Um, And a compass is you know, similar to a map, it helps you get somewhere, but it's also not dependent on the map, on where you are on the map. Like it helps point you in a direction mm-hmm. versus to a specific destination. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think that's a really helpful analogy whenever you're trying to navigate these things, it may not be exactly clear where you are or where it's going, but if you have some sort of guiding principle, North Star, something to act as a compass that can help you go in a general direction rather than a specific destination, I think it takes some of the pressure off. Um, I think, you know, there's some great resources around that. Um, one of the big ones over the past few years has been um, Atomic Habits. That makes me think of that as well. Um, putting habits in place rather than reaching specific goals, that kind yeah. of idea, um, I, I think is really good. Yeah. And just, um, in the resource space, because atomic habits I loved and was definitely a huge catalyst for me in light of creating habit stacking, like the whole concept mm-hmm. of habit stacking mm-hmm. was huge. But the one that I read before that, that was actually incredibly powerful for me as well was called the compound effect by Darren okay. Um, and that's one that doesn't get talked about very often. Darren Hardy is not necessarily a super well-known author. He was the publisher um, of Success or the um, Success Magazine. He was the uh, editor for a long time. And he he's just not a super well-known author, but The Compound Effect is his one book that literally just encapsulates it sort of summarizes and so in so many, in a really great way, it summarizes a lot of incredibly high concepts into very simple, profound um, hmm. tenets and, and really does help with the habit, the, the understanding of habit creation. And like you're saying, how to navigate with a compass rather than a map, like how to navigate, okay, in the day-to-day, what I'm actually doing to build into the life that I yeah. know I want, whether or not I'm in the place that I want or with the people I want, it's like those things will come into place, <clears throat> excuse me, if I am being really intentional about my day-to-day. That's good. So compounding effect, is that what it's called? It's called the compound effect. The compound effect. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I feel like we've probably already answered this a little bit, but let's see if there's anything else we would add to this list. Um, Why is it, do you think, that people say yes to things that they probably shouldn't? Why do they say yes to good things and not just great things? Mm -hmm. I think it's... uh, like we have sort of mentioned the fact that when you say yes 
you're automatically winding up saying no to a number of other things. Right. And Mm -hmm. so inherently, um, I think a yes, I I think what I think of right off the bat is the fact that when we say we, we don't want to necessarily say no, um, no feels more abrupt to us. No feels more final. No feels like, um, you know, people, might, people not, might not be pleased with me if mm. I just straight up set a boundary, but yeah. the reality is what we're doing when we say our yes, is we are winding up saying no to so many other things. And I think oftentimes I think it's probably a not thinking fully through or, or an incapacity to think fully through what that yes is actually saying no to. Mm. Um, and it it's a short-term vision, right? Yeah. It's a short-term vision. And I think if anything, it's like, if we're saying yes to someone who's asking us to, you know, commit to a, a semester's worth of like meeting once a week for whatever, you know, that whether it's a small group or, um, you know, a study or a book group or whatever, it's like, okay, great. So then what does that, it's, it's only one night a week, got it. But then what inherently does that actually wind up saying no to in light of my overall balance of life and like time with my kids, time with my family that night? Okay, clearly I'm going to have to, you know, or, orient things for the sake of just that one night each week, making sure that I'm giving, you know, making sure right. that I'm, I'm making all the arrangements that I need to for um, just that one decision. That's one of many decisions, right? So then, and I have a friend right now that I'm just thinking of where, you know, she's a mom of two with a dentist husband who's just got a lot going on and their capacity, they're, they're constantly stretched so thin and she knows it's because she's not been saying no. She's been saying a lot of yeses and forgetting how much her yeses are now saying no to their family and no to her sanity and yeah. no to her space of, and, and just no to margin. Um, which I think in a culture like ours, where we're moving a million miles a minute, it's really easy to forget that margin is actually something we have to plan and to guard to guard in our calendar. That whole yeah. like, ruthless elimination of hurry idea, you know? Yeah. You know, you bring up um, a lot of stuff in the personal space there, right? Like, like family engagements and activities and all that. And I mean, we've all are familiar with somebody who has a kid in a travel baseball league that's out five nights a week or so, you know, and so we're familiar with that. Um, I wonder how familiar we are with this concept if you push it over into the professional space, right? Um, especially if you're a business owner, CEO, like someone who's really driving the ship on something. Yeah. Um, all the time, there's opportunities for new products, new services, new initiatives. What if we did this and added this little thing and started doing that? You know, it's this constant, especially when you're in some sort of leadership position where you have to make decisions about that stuff. And I have seen, um, I'm thinking of a specific team right now uh, where, you know, yes is always the answer. Yeah, we can do that. Yes, we can add that. Yes, we can do this. Um, which sounds exciting at first, but can certainly cause some issues as time goes on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just that overload, right? You're spreading yourself too thin. You're focusing on a hundred different things when really you could do better work if you focused on the three that you just were really, really good at, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have, have you seen any of that? 
Well, I just feel like you're, you're hitting the nail on the head in light of focus in light of the fact that, you know, our brains only can focus on one thing at a time, but then when we're, when we're thinking projects wise, even at work, you know, to be able to say, to be able to know that giving your full energy, your full capacity, your full, um, you know, all of your faculties to a few things really does wind up making those few things that much more to their full potential, really like allowing each of those things to be brought to their full potential um, and to be expressed at their full potential and to have all of your faculties fully expressed in the midst of it. I think that just in the workspace um, is a discipline um, and you wind up, you know, at certain points probably making some people mad, but I think too, I mean, so much of what we talk about comes back to relationship and communication, right. And that mm-hmm. just even this whole conversation around yes and no, it's, it's so much about how you say your yeses or your nos. And if you have to say a hard no, like what the, um, delivery, what, what the delivery looks like, what the explanation of that no really looks like, um, mm. even, even just the awareness to how it's going to affect the person that you're saying no to, um, all of that comes into play. So I think when I think about it in the workplace, yeah, I, I have seen, I've seen the stretch to thinness, but then I've also seen people do it really well where boundaries are just very clear. And then you actually wind up training the people around you as to how to treat you or not, not even how to treat you, but like as to how you operate and as yeah. to what boundaries you'll put into place. I worked for a while in Boston for a chiropractor. And this is a, it's just a fun example of really um, pretty profound boundaries being set that were followed. And I think at the beginning, I was like blown away that they were as stringent as they were, but it was just in the, in the realm of scheduling. Like these were, you know, I worked at this big office and we had a number of different doctors that would see patients all through the week. But then there were these reporting times where they would need to basically do like a deep dive with their patients. And there was very small windows of time that they allowed for those reports to happen. And I remember thinking early on, cause I was the girl that was scheduling all of the patients. And I remember thinking, Oh my gosh, like this is the hardest conversation ever because people are looking at me like there's no time for the doctor to do it. Like they only do it in these windows. Like that's insane. And I remember feeling so bad as the communicator at the beginning, like, well, maybe (laughs) an exception or blah, blah, blah. But I realized like, wait, hang on. This is for their, this is for the doctors to do their best work. A. Yeah. And B, as it becomes a standard, people just begin to realize like, this is how, this is the schedule. Like this is, these are the boundaries that are there and this is when I can come in and this is when I can't. And it actually, then I think in the long run, it's like discipline equals freedom. Um, and there winds up being, you know, a really great freedom in the semi-stringent spaces of actually saying sure. no, because then your yeses are more powerful. Yeah. Well, it makes me think of this may be a funny analogy, and it's probably just because this is what I've been doing every evening for the past several weeks, is um, it makes me think about my garden, right? We've got a garden outside of our house, and, um, and last year, last year we planted all these tomato seeds, like actual seeds to grow plants, and, and they sprung up, right? And I'm telling you, they're the tallest tomato plants I've ever seen in my life. They were like going to my roof, and I'm like wow, these are incredible. I've never seen tomatoes this tall, right? Um, and then the whole summer almost went by, and we had tall tomato plants that produced, guess how many tomatoes? Two. Less than that. 
zero. <laughs> there were zero tomatoes, right? No and fruit. so and so one day I just was like, I need to cut this stuff back. And so I I pruned the mess out of all these, just cut them way down. Within a week, we had a bag full of tomatoes. Wow. Wow. Uh, it was crazy. It was like, why did we not do this two months ago? Um, <laughs> but I think that's so often what can happen in even a professional you know, business setting is we have our hands in so many different activities and services and whatnot. And it's amazing if you will prune some of those back and focus your best energy on a handful of things, how those things can grow and develop so quickly and so well um, to be the best service or product we can offer. A hundred percent. And I think that the concept of pruning is just a counterintuitive one, right? Where it feels like we're, we're stepping back from something um, and not giving it all of what it could have and thinking that, you know, thinking that we're inherently feeling like we're taking away from it when in reality, we're actually winding up giving so much to it, which in the grand scheme of, again, what we talk about so often, I think when people are looking at the concept of, you know, looking at the flywheel, everybody's thinking about moving forward. That's, as a mission-minded organization, any organization that's moving forward in their vision and their mission and their purpose is thinking about how are we executing? How are we constantly uh-huh. recalibrating our capacity and alignment and all of that? But uh-huh. like we talk about so often, the, the importance of stepping back, focusing in on relationship and communication, which are seemingly soft skills, but so unbelievably important they wind up in the long run doing just that, like giving us this bushel of tomatoes, giving us this (laughs) exponential capacity to do better production of fruit. Um, But it looks counterintuitive, right? It looks like we had, we had to cut back on actually doing the work for a couple minutes or, you know, for, for a chunk of time and put our resources elsewhere. Yeah. I love that. Well, just as we wrap up this conversation, are there any other just kind of parting thoughts that you would give to, to anybody about how they can give their best yes rather than giving a bunch of yeses? How can they say yes to the great things and not just to the good ones? Yeah. Yeah. I think my final thought would just be the importance of stillness in Mm. making a big yes or a big no decision. Um, how important it is to actually just step back from whatever the decision is and to give it a little bit of reflection time um, where we are really choosing to come away from looking at the thing and stepping back to look at the bigger picture, maybe doing a Ben Franklin plus and minus, maybe just spending some time in prayer, spending some time in thought, but just the innate wisdom that comes from slowing down. It comes from quieting our hearts and our minds and turning off all the channels that have constant access to us all the time. And really just, you know, deciding if, if we've got a big thing coming up, it is worth and worthy of making space to really through. That would be my, yeah, that'd be my final thought. I love that. I think my kind of final thought is just the relief that a lot of times can come with saying no. Uh, I think there's a lot of anxiety that builds up when you're thinking about saying no. But what I've experienced, what I've seen other people experience is when you finally do say no to something and decide I'm, I'm quitting this, I'm done with this. We're not going to put the energy towards this. Then like that next breath after you make that decision is, Oh, okay. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Right. 
and it's like this just pressure release um, that I think is wonderful. That I don't think we um, realize a lot of times that that's going to happen until after it already does, and so hopefully that's an encouragement also to not just say yes to everything. Yeah. It's nice to not have as much on your plate sometimes. Yes, agreed. Good. All right. Well, that will be it for uh, the conversation today. Hope this was helpful for you guys. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. See ya. Thanks for listening today to the Invincible Teams podcast. Please consider giving us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you are currently using. If you think today's content might be useful for someone you know, please consider sharing it with them. Just a reminder that the Invincible Teams podcast is brought to you by Evergreen. Evergreen provides teamwork training and consulting to help you eliminate office drama and turnover and help you get the most out of your team. Thanks again for listening. And like we always say, we believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. See you next time.